Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio Show 363, what employee engagement needs to learn from customer engagement. We've had some technical issues and Scott, I'm hoping, is there. I'm not sure if this show is going to continue <laughs> without customers. Well, um, um... <laughs> I, I hope you can hear me, Joe. Um, I can hear you. I great. can hear you. So we'll continue and see what happens. It's a good job you're a veteran of the show, isn't it? <laughs> so. Well, show 363, that's really impressive. Um, well it done is. to you and Joe and um, the whole team. Um, that's a palindromic number, so that's quite a good one, isn't it? Yes, exactly, exactly. So today we're going to be talking about the three key concepts from customer engagement that should be in every employee engagement strategy. I'm Jenny, your host for today. <laughs> I'm an employee engagement consultant working within the Engage Success core team. And the Engage Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK, involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engagesuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. So my guest today, as I've already said, um, is Scott Gould, who is an author, speaker and consultant. And I think is this show number four for you, Scott? It is number four, one a year. <laughs> Um, it's it's one a year, which makes this uh, the fourth year, which actually really scares the life out of me that that much time has um has passed yeah, by. Uh, yeah. Um, and what exactly. a year we're in. Um, what a year I know, we're in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. a, a big contrast to to our previous uh, get-togethers, I guess. So uh, yes. yeah, lovely to have you. Lovely to have you back again. As I say, as a, as a veteran of the show, that doesn't sound very um, polite, does it? it? Makes you sound old. <laughs> Hey, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. <laughs> Lovely. So, um, asking about uh, what employee engagement needs to learn from customer engagement, start by telling us a bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, well, like uh, many people on the show, you know, my work is within engagement, employee engagement. I do a lot of um, consulting with institutions, right? So large organizations, um, often they're public sector, sometimes they could be you know, really popular tech business, but all of them are institutions in the sense of they're quite sizable. And so you've got a range of engagement issues going on, not only the employee engagement, but also invariably some form of customer and community engagement, whether that's explicitly serving paying customers or whether they're residents, um, students, um, what have you. Um, so that's kind of what I spend my work doing. And I've, like many people, I've pivoted to helping my clients so really navigate these um, you know interesting times of virtual engagement. Lovely, that's really good to hear. And and I'm, I'm what I should have done is gone back over our previous calls and seeing what our topics were <laughs> on each of those. Um, but uh, we'll probably um, put in the show notes connections back to them so that uh, people can sort of follow the the thread as it were. So. Um, Explain why we're going to be talking about this um, particular topic today about what employee engagement needs to learn from customer engagement. Yeah, you know, I've been studying engagement as a concept by itself, regardless of whether it's employee or customer or community for some time now. And 
I really do recognize as much as employee engagement is trying to, you know, break down silos within organizations, we have silos within engagement itself because there's bags of stuff that we could learn from customer engagement in employee engagement and vice versa. And they're concepts that occasionally spill over. But actually, there's a lot of gold there. So a lot of what I've been using to help customers, I mean, my clients right now, has come from customer engagement, even though we are looking at employee engagement. And um, I wanted to um, share those with anyone who might um, find them useful. Lovely. So let's just talk about what the the sort of differences are, or, or is there a difference between employee engagement and customer engagement. I mean, it's the same word. <laughs> and we're looking at employees with one and customers with another. Yeah, um, are they yeah. comparable? Yeah, you know, I was chatting to David Zinger, um, who's a you know, well-regarded employee engagement writer some time ago. And he said, you know, I, I said, David, you know, how do you find engagement? And he said, well, there are many engagements. Which I loved that phrase. And it's true of employee engagement and customer engagement. Generally, when we think about employee engagement, people are with their employer all day and we're thinking about them being productive. And so we're thinking about the type of engagement that involves doing. Whereas when we think about customer engagement, customers are not, uh, are not with the, 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 um, the brand that they're buying from all day. Um, they might only think about them occasionally. The purchase is generally occasional. It might be, it might be regular enough, but it's not all day, every day. So customer engagement is more about um, working hard to get to be in your mind because that you're not around them all day. And so we find that customer engagement actually tends to be a really good place to look if we want to get better at cognitive or head engagement or the discipline of communication. Um, and one example of that right off the bat would be the movement towards employer and brand, uh, employer branding and then an internal marketing that, you know, of kind of becoming more and more popular over the last 10 and particularly the last five years. But there are a range of other things that customer engagement has to offer us that w with the way that it excels at communication. And I think it's high time that uh, we learn from them. Yeah. And let's just sort of explore the sort of concept of, of engaging people because um, I, I think it probably is if you sort of ask you know anybody would it be the sort of one and the same because of the word engagement people might say that it is but obviously you've just said that there are things to be learnt because they're not quite the same um, what, what would you define as engagement in itself my one word definition of engagement is togetherness it's when two things, people, brands, entities, they come together. Um, that's the etymology of the word. Um, how that togetherness is manifested is expressed in different ways. But the commonality with every, all forms of um, engagement in terms of um, you know, organizational roles, whether it's customer, employee, community, stakeholder, is they have an express sense of actions that they want to achieve as a result of this engagement. And they want to maximize the value of this relationship. So that's what we're looking mm -hmm. at when we think about engagement really is togetherness with the aim of maximizing the value of that relationship. Um, whether that's mm -hmm. um, a husband and wife, 
employer and employee, um, brand and uh, customer. <laughs> My former background was church, so church minister and congregant, um, stakeholder and stakeholdee. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all of them are really about maximizing the value of that relationship through togetherness. The more together we are, um, which would be the act of engaging, coming together, mm -hmm. the more engaged together we can be, the, the greater the value of that in, of togetherness, which we would call engagement. Um, mm. That's the way I'd look at it. And ultimately, the aim for customer engagement and employee engagement is the same, but the mechanics are different in the sense of the different parts of that process that they emphasize. Um, I guess we could look at it like employee engagement is often more like family that you're close with because you're around it all the time. Whereas customer engagement um, could be like family, but generally um, the spectrum of how engaged you are with a brand could be as distant as, you know, second cousin first removed right <laughs> through to through to spouse depending on how engaged you are with that brand. But we don't find mm. employee engagement tends to have that same breadth of, um, you know, contact, um, you know, because generally we're in the office or at our desk all day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I no, think, I, guess, I think, uh, yeah. No, sorry, please, you go, you go, Joe. Just using, just using, <laughs> just using that analogy, I guess when you're that close, it's almost like where, you're getting more distant in a, a workplace from an engagement point of view actually is where people have become disengaged rather than just being engaged but very much on the periphery whereas I guess the customer relationship as you say there, there's a real con continuum about how much involved they're going to be with the organization of the customer well yeah exactly and this actually leads on to I, the first of the three things and it's great that you've naturally come there so there I think there are three three core concepts that we need to take from customer engagement. The first is that customer engagement recognizes there is a continuum. It recognizes that people will, you know, if we think about generally with engagement, generally, if we think about the Gallup um, uh, uh, um, Q12 instrument, for instance, we break it into yeah. highly engaged, engaged, um, and then disengaged and then like really disengaged. Um, sometimes it might be changed to unengaged and then disengaged. But it mm -hmm. breaks down people between being highly engaged and engaged. But customer engagement um, recognizes that there is a broader continuum than that. And it it works with funnels to build what's known as the top of the funnel and the bottom of the funnel. The top of the funnel is your general brand brand building activity. How do we just get to be in your mind? And then bottom of the funnel is to do with offerings and promotions that have having built awareness in your mind, we can now act on that and get you to do something. They recognize that people at the top of the funnel are less likely to buy. People at the bottom of the funnel are more likely to buy. And they have to work on both parts of the funnel at the same time. Whereas if you think about um, <laughs> if you think about most organizations and the way that they approach employee engagement, is they treat all employees as if they're all the same. The only difference in communication would be segmentation by department or role. But what they don't tend to do yeah. is they don't tend to put out communication that's designed to engage the lesser engaged employees in the same way that customer engagement does. 
So mm. I think this is the thing is with employee engagement, we think we're all family and we think that we're all in the same boat. It fails yeah. to recognize that very often people aren't in the same boat, whereas customer engagement knows that because it's it's it works far better at trying to manage that continuum. So I think that's a lesson that we can learn. Um, less relevant in smaller organizations, sure. But in institutions, oh, my word, you know, you've got to really be thinking about the, your funnel game. Um, who are the more engaged employees? Who are the less engaged employees? And how can we separate those messages? For instance, if yeah. we're running a leadership program, yes, the lower engaged employees should know about that. But we can't expect them to sign up with the same enthusiasm that the higher engaged employees would. So we need to create a tailored message for them that allows them to take baby steps towards leadership development. Whereas the message towards the more highly engaged employees won't be one of baby steps. It will be one of demanding greater commitment because that's where they are and that's what they're going to vibe with. We've got to put out mm -hmm. two messages there at least. Whereas, again, I think the error often is it's one size fits all with employee engagement. That is it's just not true. I think that's, just, that's such an interesting concept and sort of speaks to the, the whole thing I mean, I've mentioned on this um, podcast many times over the years but I don't think that my husband's particularly engaged in what he does <laughs> however he's been at that company for 25 years <laughs> and he gets on and works really hard and everything else so there is a level of engagement but if you asked him his views he would be quite cynical I've always laughed that I'm you know on the engaged HR front and he's a sort of militant employee <laughs> um, but actually when you think about treating people differently he is engaged he's just not necessarily engaged in the traditional sense if you like or the the sort of fully engaged the, the sort of what i don't know however you describe that and and you well, know, yeah. about things like discretional effort he does give discretional effort but he would have a different opinion on that than other people that's, so it's so important yeah well mm. uh, this this is it is with customer engagement there is a real recognition that all you need your customers to do is buy. You don't need them to love you. And sometimes yeah. <laughs> they will love you. And there are advantages to that. I mean, if you take um, a brand like Nike that most people think has got this massively loyal fan base, and it does. But the majority of people that buy from Nike, over two thirds, are incidental purchases. Mm -hmm. Right? They're people that they just happen to buy a Nike thing, but they're not planning on buying a Nike thing. Like, out of all sports brands, I like Nike the most. I'm a 90s kid. I, I vibe with that. But I have not bought something that's Nike for, I don't know, five years. <laughs> right? Mm. So we need to just be realistic about that. And I think um, your husband, I think, mirrors just a realistic level of engagement often. And mm. so let's mm. work with that rather than trying to turn him into something he doesn't want to be. But then again, I think we are now looking at Something's a little bit off course from this topic, which I'd love to dive into. <laughs> I'm aware <laughs> that you and I always have an issue of never actually getting halfway through our conversation. So I fear that might happen again if we begin going down that route. However, if you want exactly. to go down that route, I'm up for it. <laughs> no, I think that, that, that's, that's great. And we've done our point number one. And I think the only other thing that makes me think about is when you're saying about the customer thing, exactly as you said, having not purchased for like five years you know you can just not purchase and then you're not a customer anymore whereas we don't have that within <laughs> the luxury that's not the right word is it but when you have employees you can't have them just check out and not engage at all because then they're not technically employees are they so it's um it, it is different and yet 
as you say, a, a point to 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 sort of consider the, the those sort of differences and, and similarities. But um, yeah, I love I love that, and I'm always banging on about treating people as individuals, as um, Joe, my uh, fellow co-host, uh, yes. will tell you. So um, yes. that fits completely with that. So thank you. So okay, number two then. What's our second concept? Well, so the first concept is is recognizing those funnels. People are in different states on a continuum. You have to communicate to them accordingly. So yes. the second thing then is how how do you go about that? Um, now in now in customer engagement, or rather in marketing, there's this concept of share of market, right? How much share of market does a brand have? So if we take Nike, I think it has something like twenty percent of the global sports. Uh, market belongs to it. The other 80% is distributed to, uh, distributed among the various number of brands that are out there, right? Um, and there is this kind of not very well known, but really important principle that in order to increase your share of market, one thing that you need to do is increase your share of voice. The rule is generally that, you're, that the amount of share of voice that you have, as in the amount of advertising and active marketing campaigns that you are running, if you increase your voice so that you are more heard in the market, your share of market will eventually increase and rise to that share of voice. Or conversely, if your share of voice lowers itself, then your share of market will decrease. This is a key thing. It's known as ESOV, which is excess share of voice. The idea being that you want to have excess share of voice because that will always mean that your share of market is due to increase. Now, okay. this is why brands constantly advertise is because they recognize they have to stay in your mind and they will fall out of your mind if they don't. Now, this immediately makes me think of the issue of under communication in organizations. If we think, for instance, about change management, um, John Cotter in his you know, seminal book, Leading Change, says the issue with communicating change isn't that leaders might under communicate the change by a factor of 10. It's that it's more likely to be a factor of 100 or 1,000. It's like scary. Um, I, mm. I remember I had a client um, and the first thing I said to them is, how often do you meet with your leadership team? And my client said, we spend an hour together a month. I said, you mean you spend one hour in 170 working hours a month as a team communicating together? That's one in 170 priority, right? It's like terrible. <laughs> so we immediately increased it to two hours a week. And even then, that's still low. That's still only eight, nine hours out of 170, but it's certainly better, right? And then we began working on other things. So the issue is, if we want to increase engagement, are we actually communicating frequently enough around the things that we want people to engage in? Um, most organizations, the issue will be is that the things that we want people to engage in are not being over communicated. Rather, there's just loads of stuff being communicated. It's a mix of things. And uh, th this then just is, is creating an issue is we have over communication of stuff that doesn't matter. And we have under communication of actually the key things that we want people to engage in. So I imagine, again, if we took your husband, I often, you know, I use the example, I do the mother-in-law test. Uh, I think of my mother-in-law and I go, well, have I communicated to her enough about the thing that I want her to do? So in customer engagement, there's this idea that you have to offer somebody something seven times before they'll say yes. Hmm. 
So in the same way, if we want people to engage in a particular program, bearing in mind that people don't really engage in organizations off the bat, they engage in a thing. And then that leads them to build greater engagement with the organization is, are we ensuring that we over communicate that thing, particularly like, let's say that change program, that opportunity, that particular push, this particular effort, this particular program of work that we're doing, are we over communicating that? Are we being specific about it enough? And if we over communicate, then eventually the parallel would be here that our share of effort will increase in the organization. Hmm. That's a really interesting point because we're we're so used to crafting like for a long time before we go out to the um the company, you know, crafting the, the communication, whether it be the town hall or or something that's going in a letter or whatever. But as you just pointed out, we don't sort of craft seven versions of it in seven different media to media to go out to people to sort of capture different uh, conversations with different people we we do tend to just work on that one way of communicating something don't we oh, as yeah, a natural yeah. way of being my, um, and then wondering why people don't remember <laughs> yeah precisely when my wife and i first got married she was 15 years ago is she taught me how to love her which sounds silly it, I, it was so helpful and she said to me scott you know you like to have a date night and like pour your love on me and then it's like there's no love coming from you the other six days of the week and she said i don't want lots a little i want a little but often i want a little love but often and we make this mistake is we have these moments where we want to charm our employees and they don't hear from us again i mean how many times have we you know gone to our employ you know in our, our you know our employee base and gone right here's our workforce here's the thing we give it like you say big launch it's all nice and polished we talk we talk it up and then they don't hear about it again rather yeah. can we just do little and often can we stop the big launches in fact i had a client um a large um council that i was um wanted to do a big launch and i said look don't do the big launch just do lots and lots of little conversations you save yourself loads of money. Um, you save yourself loads of egg on your face because you're not doing a big launch. And instead, you'll actually get closer to people just by talking about it at grassroots. It was a mind-blowing mm. revelation to them, but it worked. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. But yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how even sort of knowing that... I mean, most people could tell you you have to, you know, communicate in lots of different ways and... and keep going and everything else just from their own personal lives knowing that messages don't land um but yeah. we we sort of go into a different mode when we're in sort of management mode and internal comms mode and we don't remember that often <laughs> oh yeah well this is i think actually the the crux of the engagement issue which is people engage with anything like they engage with people um and yet <laughs> we engage people as if they don't engage with things like people. Um, it's, 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 the fundament, it's the fundamental issue in my mind. The, the fundamental mm. issue is that somehow we think, the, we think that the opposite of professional is personal. But actually, it's not. The opposite of professional is improfessional. 
you know, we can be mm. personal and professional. And indeed, that's the way that people engage. It's the way that people have only ever engaged, come to think of it, mm. um, is mm. personally. Which is why we always talk about humanizing brands, humanizing the workplace. <laughs> it's our language betrays us, but then we go away and we just do do the old behaviors anyway. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so we're just moving into the last six minutes of the show. <laughs> just giving a little time post there. Do, um, do you think we can? Do you think we can do it, Joe? Can we actually <laughs> cover all the points today? I know it's a challenge, but we, we're good for it. So, so all yeah, right. Third, the third concept. So the third concept is this idea that the big thing in customer engagement for a long time now um, has been you engage customers the most when you tie them into a platform, okay? If you think about the big tech players, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Apple, Microsoft, good wager that any one of those names that I've just mentioned, people here will have a monthly billing too. Monthly Netflix subscription, Disney Plus, if you think about Amazon, you've got your Prime and you've got your TV and your Echo. And if you think about you know, Apple, you've got all the equipment and your iCloud and your Apple Music and everything. All of these are platforms. The idea of platforms is you now create some sense of vertical distribution. You provide people with products and services that they can build their life on and you have cyclical billing as a result of it. Businesses need to begin doing the same thing. They have the cyclical billing, which is every month customers get their pay package. But are they providing a platform that customers actually get to build their life on in the same way that would actually be difficult to leave? Uh, I'll give you an example. Is a um, bank in the States called Fifth Third Banks. Now, they've been growing at 16% PA, which for a bank is absolutely huge. And some of the things that they offer is as a bank, they offer all of their employees their full banking suite. They offer all of their employees the same money advice that they would offer their customers. So they actually really help their employees be great with money. They also um, provide um, adoption support. They are particularly set up to provide adoption support. So you don't need to go through this alone. We as the bank will help you. They have a leadership program that anybody in the, in the organization can join. And they have a you know, slew of other benefits. The point is that all of this provide a platform for you to live a good life on. So that every month when that money comes into my account, it's not just the money from the bank that I'm getting. It's not just my salary. And it's not just the emotional benefits. It's the actual tangible, practical life benefits that I get. And this is the way that organizations are going and we need to really recognize this um, uh, quickly, quickly. But again, such a, a, a brilliant concept to, to think about. I, I'm just thinking about, you know, some of the things that I pay for every month that I sometimes think, oh, you know, I must, must cancel that. But then, oh, it's like, oh, I still really want that. And oh, but I'm not getting <clears> the value. Well, maybe I should, you know, put it back on my to-do list or whatever. And you keep paying. As you say, if you flip that into I'm working for an organization where it would be so difficult to leave because I wouldn't get the same or, you know, the, that that sort of um, protection, if you like, is there. It makes it so much harder for people to go and, and so much easier to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not, mm. I have to say it personally, I mean, the negative of that is what we call lock-in strategy. Um, I mean, yeah. I, so people that I advise on customer engagement, this is a factor. 
is it's hard for you to cancel, right? It's manipulative almost. I don't advocate that, and I really warn my clients against that. But it mm -hmm. is a thing of why would I go elsewhere? Because yeah. you are really enriching my life. It's the idea that yeah. work is a platform for your life enrichment. Mm -hmm. um, and you think about all the things that businesses have that they could help their employees with at very little cost. Often it's just providing them with access. Um, mm -hmm. And they don't. And it just, to me, it's ludicrous um, that yeah. we don't. And, um, you know, I just yeah. hope that more organizations mm -hmm. do. What can I say? Brilliant. So we've got a minute and a half. <laughs> we are going to do this. Um, just remind us what those three concepts are again and um, yeah, how people then can sort of go forward to them. Yep. So, the first, so I think the main thing is to recognize customer engagement can really teach us about the communication part of engagement. And so the first thing to recognize is that customer engagement talks about funnels. It recognizes people are in different states in the purchase journey. Approach your employees differently based on where they are in their engagement journey or in their engagement state rather than having one size fits all. The second thing mm -hmm. is um, share of market is determined by share of voice in the same way. You know, don't under communicate the things that are really important. If you want to get share of action, share of effort, share of heart of your employees, then it, ha it will follow share of voice. Talk little and often about the things that are important. And the third one is um, begin to build a platform. Don't just see your plate, your workplace as somewhere where people come and work, but it's something that people can build their life on. They already do with their salary. They already do with their friendships. They already do in many ways, right? And flexi working was an early version of this. What other ways mm -hmm. can you build a platform? What other assets do you have that you can give employees access to at very little cost often that actually give them a better life? It was at this point that Scott and I got cut off due to our technical issues, but I've obviously contacted him separately to thank him for coming on the show again and sharing some really fascinating uh, perspective on using customer engagement principles for employee engagement purposes. And just to let you know, next week's show, Jo Moffat will be back and she's talking with Judy Walker, who's a senior business consultant at ITS Leadership Limited. And they're talking about the after action review approach and its impact on staff engagement. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.